me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it. Because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. You're listening to DC On Screen. Why not take a break from worrying about which jackass is going to be running the country and listen to us talk about what jackass got a person of color fired to somehow prove he's not a racist. Also, news on Zack Snyder's Justice League, The Suicide Squad, The Batman, and when some of those DCCW shows can be expected to drop. All that and more, coming right after this. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it, because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico, because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome to DC On Screen episode 617. This is the podcast where we talk about the DC Comics multiverse on film and television, give honest opinions on projects upcoming and past, and believe that every version of a property is valid, even if we don't want it to be. If it's been released, it is fair game. So beware of spoilers, and welcome to the show. I'm David C. Robertson, and this, the man what makes my arrhythmic heart beat, Jason Gomes. Hello. Really need to get seen about that. Mm-hmm. I got a guy. <laughs> I know you do. Mm-hmm. I may take you up on that sometime soon. He's got to give you a halter monitor and you're going to hate it. Ugh. Just die. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Mm. It's like having the spider that goes in Neo at the, at the midpoint of the movie-ish kind of thing. But Oh, the oh, thing that the he got sucking out of his... Yeah. Yeah. It, it, like, it feels like something like that just clinging onto your chest for 30 days or however long you have to wear it. Ugh. I had 60 uh, days with that thing. Because I got through with the 30, and they're like, we found nothing. But since you already got it, let's make sure. Well, okay, well, another week or nope, another 30 days. Okay. Oh, gosh. Awesome. Fun stuff. All right. Uh, so there's quite a bit going on here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> well, actually not that that much. It's really just all Ray Fisher stuff, yeah, mostly. Not that many things. Just one very complicated <clears throat> thing. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, but you know, that's all really doom and gloom. Mm-hmm. And very serious stuff, but uh, you know, uh, HBO Max. I'm going to bring this up. Uh, <laughs> they have a section on their app called Movember Inspiration, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the description is: comb through these movies and series to get mustache ideas for the month. And they have Justice League in that category, and that is just hilarious. Mm-hmm. I love it. All right, well, uh, magnificent that, bit of trolling. That uh, that that said. And that does it for the fun portion. <laughs> Hopefully we'll make this fun. Yeah. We'll try to. Let's see. All right. So, Shiraz Faruqi. Mm-hmm. We've seen him on podcasts, Faruqi Brothers. Uh, I mean, he's worked a comic book debate. He's a contrib- or he, a former contributor to Forbes. We'll get into that in a second. Um, he did a Forbes interview. He put out this interview on the 29th of October. The interview was called Ray Fisher Speaks Out on Toxic Set and Warner Media Investigation into Justice League Production. And he, it, it was an interview with Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not, I am not reading the entire interview. Mm-hmm. It's still going to be a lot, though, um, on why Ray decided it was time to speak out this summer. <laughs> Actually, hold on. Rephrase that. You mean you're not about to read out loud? Right. Yeah, no, I read the whole thing several times. I just heard it back and it sounded like you were going to be like, and I ain't reading that shit. Fuck that. Right, no, no, no. I I read it several times. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, yeah, I had, I had a feeling. It. All all the varied iterations of it, um, yeah. because there were. Mm-hmm. Look, he says, um, the reason he said that it was time to speak out this summer, he said, Ray says, what set my soul on fire and forced me to speak out about Joss Whedon this summer was my becoming informed that Joss had ordered that the complexion of an actor of color be changed in post-production because he didn't like the color of their skin tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the erasure of people of color from the 2017 theatrical version of Justice League was neither an accident nor a coincidence. Now, um, this is why he felt the need to retract his positive statements about Whedon from Comic-Con 2017. He says, for one thing, the cast and crew were told that Zach had handpicked Joss to finish the film for him. I didn't find out until after the reshoots that that was a complete lie. I heard whispers and rumblings of things being off behind the scenes, but nothing concrete until much later. They had us go out to San Diego Comic-Con in 2017 and say Zach picked Joss and that Joss was a great guy. I still have the email with those talking points. After Zack Snyder left Justice League's production in early 2017, though, um, and they brought Whedon in, the cast of the film was taken aback by all the crap that was going on, Faruqi writes, uh, in Snyder's absence. And Ray says, you've got to understand, Zack stepped away to be with his family, and we wanted to give him space to do that, Fisher said. He said, he and I didn't speak for about a year after he left. He then went on to explain how the abuse of an unprofessional atmosphere was cultivated behind closed doors even before Snyder departed the project. He says, prior to Justice League's reshoot process, blatantly racist conversations were had and entertained on multiple occasions by former and current top-level executives at Warner Brothers Pictures. Decision-makers that participated in those racist conversations were Jeff Johns, John Berg, and current Warner Brothers Pictures Group Chairman Toby Emmerich. Uh, Yeah, so... He says, I realized that the notes I ended up getting from Johns during reshoots were just a coded version of the racist things he was saying with behind closed doors with the other executives. Mm -hmm. These conversations were reported to me by people in the room, and I wasn't made aware until after I had already spoken out about Joss Whedon. He says, a lot of what these guys were doing was in an effort to prevent themselves from being fired during AT&T's merger with Time Warner. Uh, I plan getting... Much more specific about each of these guys after the investigation is over. This interview is just the abridged version. Uh, The article points out that outside of Fisher, multiple actors of color had their roles completely removed or heavily reduced. The role of Ryan Choi, played by Zing Kai, was cut. Joe Morton, uh, who was Cyborg's father, Silas, was mostly cut and reshot. Uh, Zack Snyder included a diverse cast of characters. Uh, Many of them had roles significantly altered or disappeared from the film altogether. Kirsty Clemens, who was Iris West, uh, Karen Bryson, who played Cyborg's mother, Eleanor. Um, now, according to representatives for Whedon, though, those decisions were made prior to his taking control of the project. And see, that was not a thing that was initially in the, the article uh, because they had decided, they had declined to comment or not responded. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, Ray says, Jeff Johns made a veiled threat to my career during the L.A. reshoots of Justice League. We've already heard him talk about that. Multiple sources have informed me that Joss threatened the career of another person associated with the production. Toby was made aware and tried to cover for Whedon rather than deal with the abuse. That situation had to be escalated to uh, Sujihara to get any results. These things affected many people across various departments. Warner Brothers Pictures has tried to make it seem as if these issues are mine and mine alone. I've brought them a number of witnesses that have been avoided and in some cases ghosted during the investigation process. Warner Brothers knows full well my claims are credible. They're just scrambling. As you'll all undoubtedly recall, uh, now Ray came out and said in a meeting with uh, president of DC Films, Walter Hamada, that Hamada attempted to throw uh, Whedon and John Berg under the bus in hopes that Ray would relent on John's. And uh, in response, studio spokesman said, or spokesperson said, at no time did Hamada ever throw anyone under the bus, that Ray Fisher wasn't cooperating with the investigation, that he failed to provide specific and credible allegations of misconduct. Uh, Fisher, infuriated by the statement, told Forbes that the statement was a double-edged sword that helped him as much as the studio uh, attempted to discredit him. He says the hit piece that Warner Brothers Pictures put on me on September 4th was meant to isolate me, but it ended up having the opposite effect. More people ended up reaching out and offering their support. Fisher saw this as a clear pattern of behavior from the studio and made him even more focused on continuing to speak out. He says Warner Brothers Pictures has been receiving a lot of bad press recently for their mishandling of HR and third-party investigations. Unfortunately, the Justice League investigation has been no different. Walter Hamada chose to insert himself into this situation by throw, trying to throw Joss Whedon and John Berg under the bus to protect Jeff Johns. He has a long-standing work relationship with Johns and an even longer one with Toby Emmerich from their time together at New Line. 
Um, Fisher stressed the connection between Emmerich and Hamada to explain how deep studio politics go to protect each other. He says Emmerich made Hamada, the president of DC Films and Johns, is providing content for Hamada to produce. It stands to reason that he would have a vested interest in trying to protect both of them. Hamada did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Fisher cited the statement from Warner Brothers to make his point clearer. He says, after this, uh, he says, you see what Warner Brothers uh, PR tried to do to me after I alluded to Walter Hamada. Now imagine what would have happened if I named the chairman of the company instead of Hamada. WB would have used every bit of PR power they had to try to stop me out and protect Emmerich. So that's why he, had, he hadn't talked about Emmerich until now. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke about being grateful to Momoa. He says, Jason really came through when he denounced that fake Frosty the Snowman news. I know that had to have shaken things up, shaken them up. Um, he says, a lot of folks from the cast and crew reached out to show their support. Some expected and some less so. I've tried my best to handle things privately and let HR process play. But the only thing that seems to move the needle has been me applying pressure publicly. Um, he revealed one of the biggest challenges was getting Warner Media to conduct a fair and impartial investigation. Uh, that's taken a lot of his time. He says, my team and I have been informed that the third party film, sorry, the third party firm that was originally brought on to investigate Justice League has withdrawn from the case. Warner Media has since informed me and my team that the old investigator purposely lied to us about the investigation. We've asked Warner Media to relay this information to the public and to retract Warner Brothers' September 4th hit piece on me so we can clear the air and get the investigation back on track. They have refused to do so. So here we are. The new investigator that Warner Media has brought on is the same one that did the final Kevin Suchihara investigation before he was taken down, Fisher says. Um, he says, I've got a lot of witnesses that are willing to be interviewed. They're just waiting on my go ahead that is safe to do so. And uh, outside of witnesses, he's being backed by SAG-AFTRA, the Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists. He says uh, they've been a part of just about every conversation that we've had with Warner Media and has been pushing to get them to do the right thing. And uh, he says, you know, in a business as notorious litigious as uh, Hollywood, the fact that I haven't received so much a cease and desist letter should tell you something. The people involved know I'm telling the truth. They're just looking for a way to mitigate blowback for themselves. Warner Media knows I don't have the financial ability to stand up to them in court. Emmerich, Whedon, and the other guys probably do. My guess is that Warner Media is looking for the lesser of two lawsuits. Not a bad guess. Um. He says, uh, the people that have shared their stories with me have put themselves at great risk, both personally and professionally. I will protect them at any cost. Hollywood is one of the most retaliatory businesses in the world. One word of you being difficult or uncooperative could be the end of your career, especially if you're black. Um, And to those who still don't believe him for whatever reason, he says, you really have to ask yourself, what is more plausible? That I would purposefully, uh, sorry, purposely torpedo my career by making statements about powerful figures in Hollywood that, if untrue, could be easily refuted, or a handful of people in positions of power said and did terrible things in order to maintain that power during a mass corporate merger. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm not in a fight with Warner Brothers. I'm in a fight with a handful of people that are attempting to use Warner Brothers to cover their tracks. All the significant film and TV work I've done has been under the Warner Media banner. I love what I do and who I've been blessed to do it with. And uh, he says the most, or Faruqi writes, the most important thing to Fisher is making sure accountability is carried to all parties involved and not just the easier targets in the investigation. He says, regardless of how I feel about the folks involved, I'm not interested in people being allowed to dogpile and scapegoat easy targets. His end goal, my goal is to have these people not be decision makers for the content that influences our world. These guys have been in Hollywood a long time. Their problematic behavior didn't start with the AT&T merger, but I'll be damned if it doesn't end with it. <laughs> I'm not worried about the consequences. I'm well aware of what's at stake. If people don't want to work with me because I'm refusing to tolerate abusive be- behavior and the cover-up culture of old Hollywood, then so be it. If nothing else, I'm going to go out of this business the way I came in, free and of my own volition. Can you dig that? Now, um, Ray Fisher tweeted this article out. Mm-hmm. And has some New nice York, mind drops at the end. Yeah. Uh, and New York Times bestseller Victoria Aveyard uh, quote tweeted it and said, almost everyone with even a toe in entertainment has a Joss Whedon is trash story. Hopefully this one sticks and helps push back on an abusive culture at all levels. Ray Fisher is a brave, brave man. So then the shit hit the fan Mm -hmm. uh, completely. Like Whedon's people got involved. Suddenly the article was different. It featured this note at the top of the article update 10, 29, 2020. It's not even, it's the same day. Yeah. This story has been updated from its original version, including the wording of the original headline. Comments have been added from Warner Brothers and representatives for Joss Whedon. Those comments, aside from basically saying that Whedon, uh, that certain decisions were made before Whedon even got there, uh, 
The, the representative says the individual who offered this statement acknowledged, and this is the, this is the the statement that was about him changing the skin tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the individual who offered this statement acknowledged that this was just something that he had heard from someone else and accepted as truth, when in fact simple research would prove that it was false. As is standard on almost all films, there were numerous people involved with mixing the final product, including the editor, special effects person, composer, etc., with the senior colorist responsible for the final version's tone, colors, and mood. This process was further complicated on this project by the fact that Zach shot on film, while Josh, Josh, Joss shot on digital, which required the team, led by the same senior colorist, colorist who has worked on previous films for Zach to reconcile the two. Now notice he doesn't make a statement about any of the other claims, just the racist claims. Right. Maybe he thinks Ray hasn't said enough yet for him to sink his teeth into, but I do think it's interesting. He throws it off on all the other people involved with missing, mixing the final product and specifically saying the senior colorist was responsible for the final version's tone, colors, and mood. Mm-hmm. Um, now there was something missing in this update though. Uh, and Boris Kitt from the Hollywood reporter was all over that shit. And that is the, that is the quote about the person of color's complexion being changed. Now I agree though. And that was the first thing I thought when I read this article was, you know, I would hardly call myself a professional in mm-hmm. any capacity. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I get it, but you know, you and I have, we've shot video. Sure. You know, I shot video with Matt. I mean, and I don't know how many times, like you get lighting just a little bit off. You have to change skin tone sometimes to make that shit fit, um, with the previous cut. So there is a lot, especially when you're, I mean, the representative said all the right things as far as that's concerned. Like, yeah, Zach shot on film, Josh shot on digital. It's going to be different lighting. You know, that shit matters, man. Mm-hmm. So there is that, and that is, I guess, to some degree, something to think about. Like, that is tricky. It's possible. And, and that is a situation that could be easily misconstrued. Mm-hmm. Um, and to their point, as much as I want, I'm standing with Ray Fisher, but dude, it, this is some serious shit. You can't just, you know, you can't just go play in REO Speedwagon on these interviews, man. You can't just heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from another. You've been messing around. No, mm-hmm. you got to actually have proof. You've got to say, look, this person said this. Talk to this person. You can't just say like, oh, I heard from this guy or, you know, that this happened. Yeah. That's not, that's not okay. So I, I agree that he's going to have to bring his A game from that standpoint. But yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, it's not that I disbelieve him. I'm just. Nor does it completely settle that point. It's just, it is a possible and it's a plausible alternative explanation. Yeah. But, uh, so they had Neither taken. Neither proven, if we're being honest, though. If we're, if we're talking about proof. Right. No. Just because that one has technical grounding doesn't mean it happened that way. And yeah, That's right. Yeah. He hadn't revealed the sources, which he says he is going through great pains not to reveal in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't mean he's wrong, so. Right. But like I said, uh, that quote was missing about, they, they, they wound up taking that whole bit out about. Um, the, the color correction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think that was in it by the time I read it. Yeah. The first And time. they didn't even say that they took that out. They just said comments have been added from Warner brothers and representatives. Um, doesn't look as good to say omitted. No, it doesn't get the same message across, you know? Well, it, it wound up looking worse for him because Boris kid of Hollywood reporter just came out and was like, Hey, by the way, they changed this shit and this is what they took out. This is the original. And, and like, put up the entire shady. quote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> called Forbes out, let them know exactly what the quote was. Um, oh, hey, by the way, this was the shady shit they pulled. Have a good day. Now, um, he also says in his report, Boris does, that the author of the Forbes interview, Shiraz Faruqi, who previously contributed to THR, declined to comment on the removal of the quote. And then people started noticing something else was different. Shiraz Faruqi on the original article was now listed as a former contributor at Forbes. Mm-hmm. I can only ascertain that Whedon's representatives put pressure on Forbes and they sacked him. Mm-hmm. So now the Hell of a way to find out too. Yeah. So now hashtag justice for Shiraz is a thing. Yeah. All right. So November 1st, Stephen M. Colbert over at Screen Rant puts out an article called Justice League Joss Whedon's Racism Accusation Fallout Explained. Again, I'm not going to go through, I'm not going to read the entire article, but there are some salient points. Uh, while this certainly isn't clean evidence proving Whedon is guilty of all things Fisher has claimed, it should be noted that a defamation lawsuit would result in a discovery process where the truth of whatever happened during Justice League's production would be subject to review, even if it's a fraction of what Fisher has alleged. It would not look good for Whedon. So 
they're not going to they're not going to file a defamation lawsuit because they don't want that discovery process to happen. Mm-hmm. That's a fantastic point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, do like that one. Now, a lot and a lot of this article is just going over everything we just went over too. So. Um, Stephen points out coverage of Fisher's campaign largely focused on Fisher and his claims, but this story is seeing a very different reaction as Fisher has almost been sidelined while follow-up coverage examines how Whedon, Forbes, and others have handled the situation. In addition to the odd partial denial slash deflection from Whedon and unexplained retraction from Forbes, coverage from other sources also resorted to unconventional behavior, such as deadlines inclusion of a comment on the Forbes interviewer's previously expressed appreciation for Zack Snyder's films implying a bias in favor of Snyder tainted the interview, which is an odd swipe to take considering the quote came from Fisher, not Faruqi. Yeah. It's, 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 it is weird that they are going after Faruqi and that mm-hmm. he's being fired for something that Ray Fisher said. Yeah, that was, I don't know. It was a weird move all the way around. I'm not sure why it was. Mm-hmm. What I'm mostly confused with is how do they think that's actually going to help? Like it just looks like a spiteful firing. No, I don't know. I don't know another way to interpret it. Yeah. It, it, it looks seems- shitty. Yeah, it either seems like they were mad that they got in trouble or they got, you know, pinged by Whedon's crew. Yeah. So I mean, they fired him. But or like, how do Whedon's you... crew put pressure on them to fire Faruqi. Yeah. I mean, both of those make sense. I just cannot figure out how they didn't think that would be. I don't know. I How you can justify to yourself thinking that, no, no, it's okay. We can. I don't know, man. I, just if I, in the situation, it feels like I'd have to be like, look, I, I, I am sorry, Josh. Like, if we do that, it, it's probably going to be worse. At the very least, mm-hmm. it's going to make it very loud. Yeah. You can, you can let the article do its time and, and, you know, possibly die like most things do as far as the news wave, or you can, like, make a fucking thing out of it. And guess which one happened? Yeah, he made I a thing out of it. It's not a good look. Yeah, I don't understand. I thought <laughs> that was going to be a good idea. That's so stupid. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, fuck. Let's see. Um, it's, apparently, it's apparently possible to be wrong and stupid at the same time. Yeah. Colbert points out, it's especially odd for Forbes to be the one bearing the brunt of the criticism when the accusation was made by Fisher and Forbes did his due diligence in providing Whedon an opportunity to comment prior to publication. Obviously, the quote is a scathing indictment of Whedon if it is true, but censoring the article after publication isn't the typical approach to these situations. And if the contributor's departure is also a result of Whedon's complaints, that's even more questionable. And again, if Whedon's lawyers are threatening to sue for defamation, the case of libel would rest with Fisher, not Forbes or the contributor who conducted the interview. Mm-hmm. In the United States, a journalist isn't liable for libel unless something called actual malice can be established. To establish actual malice, the accusation would need to be proven untrue and would also need to be proven false. Uh, Sorry, proven Forbes was aware the statement was untrue and published anyway, or that Forbes didn't even make an effort to determine if it was true before publishing. Now, according to the original text of the piece, Whedon's representatives were given an opportunity to respond to the claim, but did not. As such, Forbes did their proper due diligence. Uh, Colbert points out uh, some have argued additional sources of input should have been sought for fact check for fact checking. But the article was simply a straightforward interview with Fisher, not an investigative piece or expose where Forbes was making or supporting any claims of their own. As such, the removal of the quote becomes even more odd as it is not censoring an overzealous or hyperbolic statement by Forbes, but is actually censoring an accusation of abuse by Fisher seemingly at the behest of the man he's accusing. In most other modern Hollywood contexts, this would result in far more outrage. Forbes and Whedon may end up facing uh, some tough questions about the departure of Faruqi. The optics of firing a POC contributor for an interview they conducted where a POC actor accused Whedon of being racist and threatening someone's career are certainly not good. It's the exact same kind of shit Fisher's already accusing Whedon of. He didn't say shit. I said shit. <laughs> it's it's really not like I don't I, I I'm baffled. I would love to sit down for five minutes and just go. How did you think this would go? Yeah. What? How did you? What? Where, where did you see yourself this time this week? You know. Yeah. And also of note, uh, Forbes does say that they stand by the updated piece, which still contains all of Fisher's accusations, other than the removed quote. Yeah. Now, also, I mean, they're absolutely right. Like you're not. You don't have to fact check someone's side of an interview. If you, if the interview is just telling someone's side of a story, you can mm-hmm. pretty much hit print on that thing mm-hmm. within reason. I know uh, that that is Stephen M. Colbert of Screen Rant. Good it's, man. I mean, that that sounds right to me though. But the uh, I mean, it's also like, yeah. I mean, you're 
to get somebody for libel that's the publisher, you basically have to prove aiding and abetting, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, bro. Like, it's just, mm-mm, mm-mm. that's not going to, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And I will provide a, a link to all these articles I'm talking about so you guys can read the whole thing if you feel like it. Um, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, and I'll actually remember this one because it's actually, uh, you know, uh, germane to what we're speaking about on the show for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you yeah. know, put them in there while you can before they change. Yeah. So um, 11-2-2020, a second update on the original Forbes article. <laughs> in how they, many hours now? Like 24? Yeah. Where they once again say like, they, they say all the stuff they said in the original update. And then they were like, quotation marks were added to indicate Fisher's use of the word toxic in the headline. So they added quotation marks to toxic. So we were like, what the hell do they change? That was in his the headline on it rather than, okay. So. And then they wrote, this quote from Fisher was deemed to be primarily based on third person information and was removed. And then what set my soul on fire and forced me to speak out, blah, 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 ordering the collection of that. The whole quote is now back on the Forbes article, but just they explained. So now they've come full circle where because they didn't do shit correctly in the first place. Now, the, and everybody else decided to post the, the quote and say, Hey, here's what they're trying to censor. <laughs> Damn it. All right. Okay. So here's what we did. <laughs> um, I mean, good God. Mm-hmm. So, uh, same day, 1102.20, Ray Fisher, tweets, my team and I have been in contact with Forbes regarding the unorthodox changes that were made to their October 29th article written by Shiraz Farugi. Even more concerning is that Shiraz is now listed as a former contributor. I will personally be getting to the bottom of this. (laughs) Shiraz Farugi, breaking his silence on Twitter, says, I'd like to wholeheartedly thank everyone for their kind support. You uplifted me and defended my integrity. It meant the world to me. While Forbes has ended my contract, I stand behind the interview, and my goal is to continue to strive for long for strong reporting as a young journalist. Ray quote tweeted him, "Any publication would be beyond lucky to have Shiraz Faruqi on their staff. When I started talking Justice League, when I start talking Justice League specifics, he will be the first and probably only person I call. One of these other trades better pick him up ASAP. Trust me." Mm-hmm. Um, which I'd is like great. to announce our crowdfunding campaign to hire Shiru for ourselves. Oh, God. We ain't got that scratch, man. Uh, yeah. It's going to have to be a really good campaign. <laughs> now, um, in, <laughs> in a manner most unbefitting, um, hey, Jackson Jolly, the assistant managing editor at Forbes, who, according to her bio, uh, has a personal and professional mission to bring greater diversity of voice and inclusion to the newsroom, tweets, Forbes is looking for a few experienced, talented, business-minded, breaking news reporters to join our newsroom. At Writers of Color, I'd love to see some diverse journalists ap- apply. DM me if you have questions or apply here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, that's some terrible timing, lady. <laughs> I mean, and I'm reading that for what I think. I mean, I think this is just like, see, we're we're not against people we're of cool. color. See, we, we, it, look. It's the, it's the meme where it's Bashimi in a high school where he's like, what up, youths? Whatever, whatever the fuck is he saying? I forget. <laughs> yeah it's what it always reminds me of that 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 moment comes in many forms but mm-hmm. it reminded me of that old bernie mac bit you don't understand <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah um oh, that's, this has gotten stupid like at, the, at this level of dumb because these really just look super boneheaded like mm-hmm. these looks like such boneheaded moves that i i keep thinking there must be another plan like there must be another play like, surely they're doing something this stupid, like sacrificing a pawn kind of shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But I, I fear maybe not. And if it's if it's true, then, you know, just start looking through old Twitter feeds because these sound like the kind of dumbasses that wouldn't scrub their Twitter. Yeah. You're going to find some dumb, dumb ass shit on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, now, uh, Ray Fisher was uh, talking to, he was doing an interview with the Geek House show and uh, they asked him about how much of Zach's footage was in the theatrical cut. He says less than an hour for sure. I think Fabian Wagner uh, or Wagner, however you're supposed to say it, our -hmm. director of photography. You know what? I actually saw him. I saw Fabian on a, on an interview and I heard his voice and I heard them say his name 
where he said his name and I thought, that's not how I've been saying it. And now I can't remember how it was said. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Fabian, our director of photography on uh, Zach's version, he said maybe about 10% of that was Zach's footage. And I'm inclined to agree with him because as we were shooting certain things, some things were similar, like with the reshoots as what we did for the original. It's hard to tell with certain shots of other people for scenes that I wasn't there for, but what I can tell you from my character and from what you saw in the theatrical version that every single scene, with the exception of the Gotham City Police rooftop scene. Mm -hmm. With Gordon and Batman and Flash, every single scene that I'm in was reshot. I reshot almost the entire film on my end. As far as other people's stuff, like where I wasn't there, I can't really tell you. So all in all, I would maybe say 20 or so minutes of that was maybe Zach's footage. And some of it may have been taken, uh, may have even been taken out of context with respect to how it was portrayed. So the fact that we're getting a four hour cut of the movie, a four hour version of this, this is going to be massive. I said it years ago. I think it, I was at a convention and I said, Zach shot enough to make two movies and lo and behold, it's a four hour movie. Yeah. So yeah, that that's just crazy to me that they, he reshot pretty much everything. So it was, what is it? Uh, he estimated 30 seconds of, screen up that feels about right doesn't it <laughs> yeah. for that scene so and you, you know i've heard some people say like well ray fisher's not a good actor um if you're basing it on justice league i don't see how you could tell because he was gritting through the whole thing yeah i mean he yeah that, i uh that's definitely not the environment where i'd want to judge if he was i mean sure like yeah you have to be good on your best day too i guess but good mm-hmm. but good lord um yeah so so theoretically, though, that's only 10 times more screen time than you've ever seen out of Ray Fisher in general. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess you know, probably wouldn't Ray Fisher on the actual screen. But like in BBS, he's theoretically in the background on that football game, right? Um, Not the football game. He's on the screen uh, when he is. No, I mean, I know he's on the. It's, I know on he's the in, the, like, in the Lex table. Files. Yeah. But I but I could swear like there's a. Um, I could swear there's a football game in the background that was supposed to be tied in. I don't know. That may end up being a fucking a lark or something. But I thought it was going to be like he was one of the people in that game in the background. I think at that point he was already on the table. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I don't know. And I, I doubt it would be literally Ray Fisher. It would just be theoretically yeah. his character back there somewhere. Or foreshadowing of some sort. Yeah. At the very least. Um, yeah. Gotham Knights or whatever they're called. Yeah. Let's get to uh, this little bit. The trailer was removed for music purposes. Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. And man, I am seeing some shit from, from people on this. Like, oh, what's wrong with WB? WB's a mess. Oh, they can't even get it right. Why can't they pay for their licensing? Like, why would they put a video on YouTube? Guys. Oh, my God. Um, Aaron Couch, <laughs> editor of uh, Hollywood Reporter's Heat Vision blog. Mm-hmm says to us that HBO Max has removed August's trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League over music rights issues, but it will likely go back up on YouTube once the issue is resolved. We don't know exactly what that issue is, but if I had to take a wild guess, being my most rational and my least paranoid, <laughs> I would guess that because... Setting aside certain voices in my head. And, you know, a lot of people just refuse to believe this because it's all the same parent company, but no, it's... Contracts are made with specific entities within a company. Yes. So if Warner Max licensed out Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. and then Warner Max was dissolved, my guess is there's a new license that has to be drawn up. And my guess is they, they haven't deleted the video. They made it private. Yeah. The, there's no... I guess we'll know for sure on that if it comes back and it ha- already has its same viewers uh, views amount. I mean, it should. It was just made private. Yeah. So, and even even still, I guess it wouldn't matter. As long as it came back in the same format, it'll just be like, well, that was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's it's well, an entirely YouTube plausible sounding you, thing to me. YouTube doesn't give you an option to like replace a video with a new version of a video. Gotcha. All right. I didn't know for sure. But mm-hmm. all right. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds entirely plausible. And it, it, it also wouldn't surprise me because it's Cohen mm-hmm. if... His estate or the people who actually own his music, whoever it ends up being, like, um, I mean, it was, you said it was like Columbia that had uh, originally published it, but God knows who it's actually landed with, if it's still them or not. Well, no, no, it was originally um, a different company. I can't remember the name of it now, but it is currently Columbia Records, which is a division of Sony. Okay. Um, Wouldn't surprise me, though, if the people watching Cohen's music were, were just really on point about this. Cause he is a highly covered artist. Mm-hmm. He's one of those people that you don't quite realize how often you're hearing songs he actually wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it just wouldn't surprise me if they were on on point with that. The moment it was out of <laughs> it was out of uh, compliance, they went, "Nope, pulled the trigger." Right, and I'm guessing they took it down private uh, and made it or made it private uh, specifically because they knew we have to get this sussed out. And you know, a lot of people were saying like, "Oh, they're they're canceling this," and you know, I, my first knee jerk paranoid reaction was. Ray Fisher's coming at Warner Brothers and they're showing their, you know, they're whipping out their dicks on them. Yeah. But it's um, also not like provably wrong, but just not. Well, it it is in as much as like when I realized that all the other teasers were still up. Yeah. I went, oh, yeah, how it, long are it those is. Teasers, though? I mean, I assume they're using the same music, but how long are those? They're not using the same music. Oh, they're not. They're using different music. Yeah. Well, that's actually good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Decent evidence there. Yeah, so that of course, if kinda... they're short enough, you can kind of, you can almost kind of get away with it if it's short enough. I forget how long it is, but I I don't remember. But yeah, um, there's something or... called I think fair use where it's a certain amount of time you can just borrow something to you know just to name check it. But yeah, now our our friend Scott McClellan over at the DC Film Squadcast, he put out this little succinct but incredibly informative and helpful uh, uh, bit of research. He says uh, he's put this out on on Twitter. Uh, Music license, one, flat fee for a defined period of time, or two, royalty payments determined by the number of copies of a work sold. Master rights are usually owned by the record label that represents the recording artist. Sync licenses would also apply here as well, since the song has the same writer and recording artist, they are still dealing with the same label. So that's my guess, is that it is a situation of Warner Max not being a thing anymore. And then either that, or they had a set like, okay, number of copies sold or views or something. And now it's like, Oh wait there. I can't imagine they would do that. It seems like they would do a flat fee for a defined period of time, but maybe I, not. I've, I mean, I've never heard of it, but Lord knows I've never seen every variation of a music contract. I've just never actually seen that go down myself, but, mm-hmm. or, you know, heard from anybody that, that that's how that lies that it would be licensed. But I mean, it's not, I guess it's not impossible. Yeah. This is like our plausibility episode. It's become. <laughs> yeah. We should have come up with a rating system beforehand. And, you know. I mean, no. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about David Ayer's Suicide Squad here. Right. Uh, someone asked David Ayer, what was the toughest scene to leave on the cutting room floor? David Ayer writes, the first 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, my movie comes to mind. <laughs> uh, now, this, this, this site called smallscreen.co.uk. They published an article, uh, an article called "Exclusive: David Ayer Suicide Squad Happening and Coming to HBO Max." Mm-hmm. And when asked about the article, Ayer said, "Not true." Yeah. <laughs> now, what's funny is like I did click on this article to read just what they said, and the first thing is that they said, "Update: David Ayer has taken to Twitter to claim that his cut of Suicide Squad is not coming to HBO Max." We are standing by our sources, but we wanted to make sure his tweet was mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> i found that comical that's fantastic now this isn't to say that i think that suicide squad is or ayer's version of the movie won't be coming to hbo max i'm just this this article goes into some strange depth about the movie and yeah it doesn't seem necessarily like they actually have a a beat on this so i guess we'll see Mm -hmm. um Bunch of people are saying that uh, Jason Keelar is supposedly hinting at Ben Affleck's Batman being a thing. Uh, and all he did was post a wallpaper that said like Warner Media on it of a Gotham. And everyone was like, holy shit, is the Ben Affleck bat symbol in the sky? Oh, that means a thing. And, uh, and then uh, I saw Wonder Meg uh, on Twitter post um, something like, oh, I thought that looked familiar. And it's, it's just promotional. It's a promotional picture from BVS. Mm-hmm. They just made it black and white and like scrunched it. <laughs> so it looks slightly different but it's totally the same picture yeah so uh you know it, he might be hinting we don't know but uh it's not like it's brand new yeah he might just be like hey dc batman fans here you go a thing that i thought was kind of cool look at this this is neat oh no what have i done <laughs> i suspect he knows he knew what he was gonna do oh but the he, internet internet at me oh he, no he may have also just been trying to be like throw throw us off the trail like ah they're mad about that faruki guy mm-hmm. uh, draw a picture of the batman city whatever that one is <laughs> it's called gotham jason jesus what's wrong with you oh yeah gotham oh. i don't watch this shit people say they're out of bread throw them a piece of cake tell them to shut up that's right so 
According to that, uh, well, <laughs> Peter Safran, executive producer Peter Safran, um, the Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad uh, plot is going to involve secret Nazi experiments. Okay. He says um, the movie will deal with them going to the squad going to Cordo Maltese. We know that place from uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns and uh, it's been mentioned on Arrow and Smallville and uh, the first place I heard it was 1989's Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky Villa taking those pictures at Cordo Maltese. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a South American locale that has been name dropped and everything. And uh, there they have to destroy a Nazi-era prison and laboratory called Jotunheim, or Jotunheim, I don't know how you say it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where political prisoners were held and experimentations took place. And apparently, Suicide Squad number one from the 80s, from Ostrander, that was the fortress that the squad stormed in that issue. All right. I like it. Same name. <sighs> so, um, yeah. I dig it. thought that was cool. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, uh, John Cena, his Peacemaker show, they are bringing in uh, Steve G. Is that his name? Uh, the guy that plays King Shark. He's also playing the warden, um, Economos, John Economos. And that was a character from, from the comics as well. Um, hmm. The warden of Bell Rev and uh, Amanda Waller's. Like yeah. Ostrander deep cuts that are way past my grade. Man. Well, Ostrander is actually going to be in the film. Wonderful. He's, he's got a, he's got a gig in the film. Um, Beautiful. They'll kill him <laughs> in record time. <laughs> he's playing Dr. Fitzgibbon. He's playing a red shirt ensign. <laughs> you may be. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so they're bringing in, uh, Steve G as, uh, John Economos, the, the warden of Bell Rev mm-hmm. and yeah, straight from the comics. So that's cool. Um, I mean, yeah, I dig it. over on the Batman, they are continuing to film despite the latest UK coronavirus lockdown. I don't so, know how long that's going to last, but man, get that film in. Doesn't sound smart, but all right. Uh, Do it. Yeah, Pack God it in, help guys. Me. Surely they figured out the problems and whatever precautions they had going on the first time and. I mean, they even had time to regroup and, and figure out how to do it. Like, damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of a lot of places that are doing this well and have found a, a template to make it work. Like, they have the tools. As long as the people that giving you the license to work will let you do it, man, take advantage. But, yep. God, do it right this time. All right. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're talking about CW premiere dates for Batwoman and the Flash and Black Lightning. And we're going to talk about... Uh, this weird ass Green Lantern uh, rumor mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. place. So uh, yeah, don't don't nobody go nowhere. Mm-hmm. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired fitness celebrity Billy Blanks. Okay, everybody, our car just got a broken windshield. How about we blow off some steam? Now punch. Now kick. Uh, Mr. Blanks, there's no need to be stressed. Geico makes it easy to file a claim online, on the app, or over the phone. Yeah, but what if I never hear back? That's going to make me want to go jab and jab. Uh, nope. Your Geico claims team is always there for you. Okay, do I still get my post-workout protein shake? Sure, Billy. Geico, great service without all the drama. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. All right, we're back. Uh, let's start off with these CW premiere dates for Batwoman and the Flash and Black Lightning. Sunday, January 17th, 8, 9 central, Batwoman. Uh, Monday, February 8th, February 8th, mm-hmm. 9, 10, uh, sorry, uh, 10, 9 central, Black Lightning is coming back. Uh, Tuesday, February 23rd, 9, 8 central, we've got the Flash coming back. And 10, 9 central, Superman and Lois premieres. I like that. Uh, yeah, okay. So, like, late uh, mid-season premieres for a lot of Yeah, days. yep. And uh, what was it going to be, like, 10, 12 episode seasons this year? I have no idea. It said shortened, but I don't... I've heard that. I don't know what they're going for yet. And Pedowitz has not been afraid to, to flirt with the summer months as far as airing new com- not content, so mm-hmm. who knows what I'll do with that. Yeah, apparently Swamp Thing's done pretty well, so who knows? They might renew that shit. Ah. 
I just, I don't know. I'll, t- I'll give you this. Like, there were good working parts in that show. So if it got renewed somewhere and the set wasn't on fire like it was apparently, right. I, maybe it, maybe it's got a fighting chance. Like, it wasn't all bad. It just it clearly had some execution issues that, oof, mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot to get through on that first run there. <laughs> it was a contentious time for all involved. Recast the two main villains. Bring in legacy casting. Hear me out. Annette O'Toole instead mm-hmm. of Virginia Madsen. Okay. And instead of that guy whose name I can't, Atherton or whatever, not Atherton. What, what was his name? I can't remember his name. Instead of that guy, Total Soup, bring mm, in yeah. John Schneider from Smallville. I'm good with that. Or, I mean, he's a I think villain be in real life with, now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be better with one out of two of those. Either I mean, just yeah. so it wasn't both. But Oh, no. Uh, That's the perfect thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I could live with it. I just honestly, my... My major concern would just be recasting Total Soup, dude. And, yeah. You know, past that, whoever they had doing, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, the big reveal at the end. What's his last name? Oh, um, why am I not? I'm not. I'm not. Know. It was in Justice League Dark like three issues ago, and I'm just really blanking because, sorry. Ironic man. It is that, but I was trying to remember his actual name. Woodrow? Yes, Jason thank Woodruff. you. It was. Yeah. All right. So anyway, I like that guy. That guy now, was great. Here was the problem. Uh-huh. Here's where my brain was hanging up. Right. I just kept thinking John Glover, John Glover, because he played he played Jason Woodrow in Batman and Robin. Ah, okay. Joel Schumacher's Batman yeah. and Robin. Yeah. So in my head, I'm Briefly. just going John Glover, John Glover. No, Dave. John Glover. No, Dave. No, John Glover. No. Yeah, but John Glover. No. Yeah, but no. <laughs> Your brain's bringing you John Glover and wagging its tail like a dog, just being bringing the same treat over and over again. And then, no. and then my damn, no. John and, Glover? No. John. And then my damn brain, after the, the umpteenth time of screaming no at John Glover, goes Kimi, who is the guy that, the, the dude that actually played Woodrow in Swamp Thing, played a character named Kimi on Lost. Mm. <laughs> I was able to bring that up just mm-hmm. barely. Kimi! Like, shut up. You're wrong. There was, so there was another Dave in your brain that looked up from his phone for a second and went, oh yeah, Kimi, and then went back to scrolling something. <laughs> Huh? Yep. What are we doing? Oh, chemi. Anyway. <clears throat> chemi therapy. Mm-hmm. <sighs> By the way, <laughs> I, I need uh, to bring this up before we get into Green Lantern. Uh-huh. Um, someone asked Neil Gaiman, how do DC character rights work for your Sandman series on Netflix? Are you allowed Constantine, for example, since he's currently on air in another DC series? And Gaiman wrote, wait and see. <laughs> you know, from him, I'll take it. It doesn't seem like a... That doesn't seem like a denial. No, but for him, it could be either way. And honestly, even if it's just kind of a putting off the question so you experience the show fresh without expectations kind of thing, <laughs> which I can get behind. Yeah. Uh, even still, like it's if it's a gaming series done with all the production value and all the time to put into it, like that, like it, there, I, I've got a lot of hope for that series because they've got all the time in the world. Gaming's apparently had his nose in the entire thing, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Th- I, I think he may just also be betting that even if it, he didn't pay off that comment, you're going to get like, you know, what is it going to be? Twelve episodes or something again, and and not give a damn that yep. <laughs> Constantine won. Like get to the end of it. Oh yeah, I wonder what happened. <laughs> All right, so uh, there's a, a website. It's called The Direct. I am not familiar with this website. and um, So far, it sounds like it wants to sell me something, but go ahead. Yeah. Um, they Well, they're trying to sell you on the idea that uh, according to their sources. I was thinking more like razor blades or something, but yeah, go ahead. Like straight uh, to my door. And here's here's why I'm, I'm going to bring it up is because for the, everybody on the internet is reporting that this thing is real. The fans are talking about this shit like it's real. Maybe it's maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, so you're saying all the buildup around it feels real, except the source is what are we doing here? Exactly. Okay. But I thought right. it might be something fun to talk about. Well, sure. Uh, so according to their scoopers, mm-hmm. um, the Green Lantern HBO Max series is going to take place in different timelines, different time periods, I should say. Uh, Alan Scott is going to take place in the 1940s and his character will be gay and dealing with being a closeted gay man in the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy Gardner is going to be one of the primary characters in the 1980s. And one of the lead characters is going to be a uh, half human, half alien who will be played by a, a black woman. And her name will be Brie Jarta, apparently, according to this. Right. And uh, she's going to have some sort of, she's going to be working with Guy Gardner in the 1980s. 
and he's going to be like muscle bound asshole like Guy Gardner is like action hero. And then there'll also be the present day t- uh, time period. And we don't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know, man. I, I, I dig the I dig the notion. I dig the idea of this, of like doing different stories in different different Green Lantern stories in different timelines or time frames, time periods, and then having those those stories intersect in some way. I mean, I wonder if that's why it is coming across like it feels real when you look at the chatter is because it seems like such an intuitively good idea that maybe sure, that has to be right. Maybe. Because I agree. It does sound like a, a fine way to approach the whole thing. Doesn't it? I mean, shit. Especially when one of the major villains in, in you know, all of Owen history is a guy named Chrono. Like, just, you could feel like you could, tie, you could tie a lot together if you really wanted to. Yeah. And we know we have... Uh... Oh gosh, I can't remember her name now. Oh, Jessica Cruz. We have you know Baz, mm-hmm. and we have you know modern day Green Lanterns. Mm-hmm. So if they did like they could do like Hal in the seventies or sixties or whatever, they could really do like they could do like New Frontier for the Green Lantern Corps. I mean, all right, hit me up with that. Sounds good. And just make like you know one of the modern day Green Lanterns, John Diggle. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> just have the one request if at all possible it all sounds great one note please uh john stewart Dean. um <laughs> he's I mean, finally hell, made peace with his dad and he calls himself role, stewart even i mean you can get rid of the name <clears throat> stewart just add him and you know, at least i'll have gotten diggle yeah <laughs> but <sighs> yeah that all, i mean that all sounds fantastic hey did i tell you by the way what they put what they did with jessica cruz here recently no like there was a whole Justice League thing that was like part of the fallout of the previous metal series. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was another part of the fallout of Dark Side War. But, um, it, you know, long story short, you know, the source wall had been deeply corrupted and they, you know, was a, there was a, a group going out to deal with it. But it ended up being like the, the core group was like uh, Baez, um, Coriander, Cyborg and uh, God, I'm blanking on names tonight. Sorry. <laughs> really long day. Um, uh, Batman that was the bad Batman for a second. French dude. Jean-Luc, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Asriel. you're talking, oh, yeah, you're talking Asriel. about uh, yeah. Jean-Paul. Yeah, Jean-Paul. I knew Jean-Luc one, right? Um, anyway, <laughs> so apparently Jean-Paul, uh, Cyborg and Coriander go out to, you know, the ghost sector to take on, uh, is this whole anomaly thing that's, uh, kind of getting them out there. Mm-hmm. And they, like, Baez ends up there, she ends up kind of interloping on the trip a little bit accidentally. Yeah. But uh, long story short, they end up having to like, they end up having to take on Darkseid. Um, do you remember how Darkseid War ended? Uh, I remember he was a baby. Yeah. Like he, uh, Grail kind of, uh, they introduced Grail, I guess. I think she was introduced there. But anyway, so. Um, yeah, I think, I think you, you're right. You get baby Darkseid though. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Darkseid is, but even Darkseid's got to grow sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is kind of <laughs> how he, when like, he was just it. Back when he was just Dark Spot. <laughs> <laughs> just Dark Spot. <laughs> oh dark side isn't yet right um so oh look he's, out, it's dark 16th <laughs> <laughs> one day he'll be a full dark side right now he's still dark spitting up <laughs> dark pissing his underwear every once in. um they go out there though they and uh, there a lot of stuff happens but um and you know it's one of those things where a lot of stuff happens and it turns out it was all part of Darkseid's plan because blah, blah, blah. Because that's often how that goes with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the the thing he failed to plan for was like Jessica Baez being on there. And they did this real cool thing with her for a second. Jessica Cruz? Jessica Cruz, sorry. Um, Who's Baez? Uh, Joan Baez? I was thinking of the other guy. She's, sorry. Oh. Um, I was just thinking like Joan Baez's paintings of, of Dr. <laughs> Fauci have been all in the my, our Twitter feeds. I don't, so. I don't, I don't know. My names tonight are way off. There'll be better days. This is not one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they get out of there though. And like the, the big fun um, thing that happens is uh, she gets Omega beamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, she gets like straight up killed. Um, but apparently like he crushes and there's like this really like ugly drawing of him kind of crushing her hand under his foot. Yep. With the ring on it. Um, and somehow they uh, they they do it where like the ring kind of seeps into her body a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, once it was broken it kind of like 
I get becomes a part of her. So even when she gets Omega beamed, it's like the very last one percent of her battery power got used to uh, like preserve the ring itself, which then preserved her, I guess. Which uh, then, as as a result of needing more energy, used the Omega beams energy. So like all that to say, it's really cool. She kind of comes back from the dead after being Omega beamed, which is also supposed to be just you know how many times that happened. Mm-hmm. Less than half a dozen, even in the comic book world. Um, and uh, she and now she has like ring energy, but it's uh, beam powered. Oh, ring so, energy. Yeah. So she's like, she can still do most of the ring stuff, but it's all uh, Omega Beam powered. So like, she'll try to do basic, basic stuff with it. And it just like blows the fucking side of the ship apart. She's mm. like, oh shit. All right. Gotta get used <laughs> to that power difference. Like, Yeah. No, I thought you said <laughs> she has ring in her G. No. And I was like, oh, what is that? Her G spot? That does not sound, yeah, rated for uh, comics that were theoretically sold to children. Yeah, that's it was good. I feel like Alec Baldwin in SNL. I know that's why I was so scared. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad I could ease your mind on that because um, no, it was like I just stopped listening to what you were saying, and like my brain was working it out. Like, oh, energy, ring, en- energy, yeah, ener- energy. One, I, I, if you're hearing it as in her G, <laughs> I do not. I can't fathom right now at a non-vulgar interpretation of those three words. Hey, yeah, no, but you know, uh, it's not the first time I've heard things. <laughs> I, I just, I'm trying, second. I'm trying to think of everything that could possibly be, and it's just, there's nothing. You know what? Remember, remember when we were reviewing Supergirl and freaking Alex broke her tibia, and I totally thought she was saying titty. Yeah, broke yeah, titty, and then yeah. uh, another prominent DC podcast host messaged me and said, "I heard, I heard titty too." <laughs> I won't say his name. Maybe he won't be alone though after it. But I felt better. I mean, in her chi, that's at least like an aura thing. So, yeah, not quite as not quite as uh, medically. <laughs> it's a vulgarism. I think it's an actual use of the word vulgarism, mm-hmm. like a slang for medical anatomy. Right. So yes. that being said, they did some real cool stuff with her. I enjoyed it. <laughs> it sounds like they just kind of turned her into, into Jade. Um. I don't know. I guess in a way, yeah. I mean, you know, that was Alan Scott's daughter who was uh, yeah, dating kind of an embodiment of one. Yeah, dude. Like yeah, they I mean, would they would cut her and she would just like bleed green energy, dude. Like she didn't even need a ring. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the biggest difference is like, what is the power difference between the Omega beams and you know the Green Lantern power? Like, it's a good question. What would happen if uh, if Darkseid tried to beam like the the central battery? Hmm. It wouldn't be good. Like, I feel like even the battery, even if the battery comes out of this one, you know, okay, it's, it's not like there will be consequences. Yeah. Like, yeah, the battery's fine, but, uh, everything within three solar systems died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just want to see what dark side would be like as a, as a red lantern. Yeah. Oh, 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 that was actually one of my favorite parts of the bit. And, and, uh, they pick up like kind of a team as they go. And one of them is that, uh, that fucking evil red lantern cat. <laughs> yeah um, whose just, name i can it, never remember i never remember but it, it, but it was really funny like <laughs> there's there's literally a plot point where what they're going to do is destroy a device and the cat's the one who's like i got this and just brushes it off the table and they even draw it like a cat just brushing it off the table mm-hmm. it's a it's a very very purposeful visual joke that i loved dexter dexter that sounds right but it's not like even they they print its words and it's just like dexter <laughs> it's it, it, i enjoyed that a little bit <laughs> my hand smells bad <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> what's that what just happened <laughs> were you experimenting with g's no no not not total non sequitur just i i went to like scratch my lip and my hand smells bad it's, oh, okay it just okay. it smells like plastic <laughs> We just caught you in in the middle of some stream of consciousness. No, yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, uh, I've been I've been working with action figures today, so like mm. my hands smell. They just smell like plastic and rubber and yeah, paint. Just just got like that, and not like the good version of those smells. There are yeah. there are good versions of those smells. Mm-hmm. Don't suppose that's what you're talking about. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> my hands smell like accomplishment in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that's that's all I've got, man. Uh, unless oh, cool. anything is dropped, some crazy thing. 
Nah, I hadn't seen shit today. Yeah, I they they were kind to us today. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> this this is Tuesday. Like, I wouldn't drop anything if I were anybody else. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I did forget about this. Uh, Stephen Amell didn't think that he his new show was going to be able to go with COVID nineteen, and he like he went to Berlani and said, "Hey man, you want me to do a season nine of Arrow? I'll do it." <laughs> and they're considering it, like. And then his other show started back up. So he was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I heard him previously like, no, no, I don't want to do any more callbacks. Like, you know, I, I, want, I want the death to mean something, I guess. But um, I did see him. He was talking to Rosenbaum when he said some of that. Yeah. this Yeah. It was on Inside Baum. of You. Rosenbaum. Um, didn't he like particular about that? But no, it's Baum. really give a shit. Rosenbaum. I thought it was Rosenbaum. No, maybe it's the other one. Yeah, fuck it. It's been a while. Um, Drock that up to another bad name night. But they, uh, yeah, it, it, he told him like he got... He got COVID, mm-hmm. and he had to he had to stay at home. And for a second, he was like, "I'm number one on the call sheet. Like, I've ruined the show. I had, I have just, I have just ruined everyone here's lives." Like, he was about to have a panic attack. Yeah, and I guess that was the night where he was like, "Hey, Greg." Well, I think uh, it's. I just think it's funny. That he's just like, "Hey, man, if this get doesn't go over well and this doesn't work out, can do you want to do season nine? I mean, I, there's a well, we can figure out a way to bring Oliver back. You know, yeah. It's just like I just want to work, man. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's hot in Georgia. What are y'all doing in Vancouver? <laughs> I mean, for real, it's what? Like, our lows right now are 40? Yeah, something like that. I am barely turning the air con- or the, the heat on at this point. I mean, yeah. we're we're into November, man. I mean, good Lord. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I I feel like, I feel like there was a night where, where Stephen Amell was just like, I don't know if this is going to work. I'm going to call Greg and say arrow season nine can we put this you know on the radar just in case i hope it doesn't happen but i just want to work mm-hmm. and then somewhere without explanation seemingly at least not a known explanation to him brent mm-hmm. from fans without borders got a boner <laughs> yeah and it increased steadily as greg berlani wrote on his notepad steven wants to do arrow season nine if all else fails mm-hmm. <laughs> i I'm digging the theory that like uh, it, the the inexplicable male erection um, does actually have an explanation. It's just it's more of a psychic one. Like like that's the closest we'll ever actually get to the force is just when when something that's like very pleasing to our person happens, and you know it's something we're not privy to and we'll never actually know, but we mm-hmm. we still get like the wave of good energy, and it just becomes like an inexplicable. Well, what are you doing down there for a second? Yeah, because you you always hear men talk about like, oh man, you don't always hear it, but we get them <laughs> for no a, reason. Not a daily conversation. But. A lot of times we'll just get them for no reason. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna have a good half times a do- half a dozen times a day where you're just sitting there and you're like, well, okay, what's up, buddy? But I feel like this is a story I need to write now. It's like it's not for no reason. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's you know, I I wish I could go back and track and be like, okay, so when did Warner Brothers start talking to Michael Keaton, <laughs> and how many inexplicable erections did I have? on pertinent that days. particular day <laughs> i think i mean it's just uh, people have been working on that research for quite some time and yes there's a lot of biological explanations for it but they were quite boring i think this will be a lot more fun let's expand <laughs> the scope into the psychic realm right <laughs> you can uh i'll i'll have the research paper with my degree in parapsychology yeah <laughs> You know, so we have standing in the community. Of course. Yeah. We wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> well, we'll put at all, at all at the end, because that always makes things look interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I forget the number. It was like four or six, I want to say, but you could only list uh, with like in APA, like the uh, the psychology paper guidelines. You can only list like four or six people at the top of your you know, paper, um, it was just, it was the format. It was the standard. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to list, you know, one, two, three, four, like main contributors. Um, and then everybody else just got at all. And they were kind of listed at the bottom of the paper, like a footnote kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, bros. They'd make top billing. <laughs> but I mean, it would, just, it would be like if every movie was like, you saw the, the top four most famous people. And then the rest of it said, and also starring everybody else, but who cares? Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, I, I, what do you want to do? You want to call it? Yeah, let's bounce. I need to okay. go to bed. That's fair. And, uh, I gotta go wash my hand. I, uh, 
Probably the other hand too. I haven't smelled it though. Yeah. I text about yeah, a minute ago saying I was going to have to be earlier to work tomorrow. So I could, I could, I could dig a, I could dig a going ahead, go ahead and call it. Cool. Yeah. Well, folks, patrons, thank you for your, uh, your financial support. If you'd like to, uh, be a part of that, d- patreon.com slash DC on screen. And, uh, I, I trust it is simple enough to understand once you get over to the site, um, mm-hmm. I need not explain it here, but, uh, our most expensive thing is $5 a month. So, you know, we're, we're not ball breakers here. Uh, we're not offering, you know, a hundred dollars a month and, you know, we'll send you vials of our semen or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can't afford the legal fees. No, no, absolutely not. Um, I was going to say the ice packs, but sure. The legal fees are... <laughs> You were thinking short-term consequences. I was thinking long. That's right. That's right. Um, well, we work. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> together we decided that that was a poor idea and it took that much time to do so. It took we're fucking idiots. It took so much convincing though. <laughs> it took us seconds to decide that that was a terrible idea, which is seconds more than it should have taken. Like, no, we can't do SEMA. What if we sign it? No, that doesn't make it better. No, also how? <laughs> It's just the vial. Just the vial. This, just whole, the this vial. whole conversation is vile. <laughs> okay, until next time. <laughs> Keep some DC on your screen. I love ending on a whimper. It's, it makes me so happy. <laughs> Our intro music is by Jason Goss and Michael Shackelford. Michael's band, Galactic Engineers of Magnetic Sounds, or GEMS, can be found on SoundCloud and Bandcamp. Visit DCOnScreen.com to find our Patreon, merch, contact information, and every episode of the show for free, including crossovers we've done with other podcasts. DC Onscreen is a maladjusted production. For more from me and Jason, including sketch comedy, vlogs, parodies, and our improvised web series Hey Guy, visit maladjusted.tv. Are you maladjusted? 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh! That's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money? Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Look around you. That car you're driving. That house your family lives in. Making your daughter laugh. Inspiring her to dream. You did that. Teaching your son to drive. Teaching him he can be anything. All you. And your dreams for tomorrow. You'll do that too. Legacies don't just happen. They are made by you. The important word being you. American Family Insurance. Protecting your dreams as you achieve them. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. Products not available in every state. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.